We turn together to number 517 as we prepare to hear God's word this morning. Number 517, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he has made known, nor why unworthy Christ in love redeem me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. We're going to sing just the first four verses, one through four of 517. Let's stand together as we sing.
This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John 15. We're going to be reading just the first 17 verses of this chapter. John 15, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we come to the second to the last of our sermons in the application of redemption, or the Ordo Salutis. We began by talking about effectual calling. We talked about regeneration being brought from death to life. We talked about those twin gifts of, of faith and repentance, of justification, of adoption, and of sanctification. This morning, we come to the part of the Ordo Salutis dealing with perseverance. Perseverance of the saints. 
a, uh, a topic um, not uncommon to us. Uh, we know that perseverance of the saints is dealt with in one of our uh, doctrinal standards in the Canons of Dort in the fifth head of doctrine. It talks about God's work to, to keep us as His own. God's work in us. We persevere in the ways of righteousness only because God is at work. But like some of the other parts of the Ordo Salutis, there is a, a response, an action called forth from us, just like we saw with faith. We saw that faith was a gift of God. And yet, we are called to believe. It is our faith that must be exercised. We saw that sanctification was God working in us, yet we were called to live in a particular way. And so it is with perseverance. It is an act of God in our lives. And yet, we are the ones who are called to persevere, to remain in the ways of righteousness. Perseverance of the saints is not a doctrine that is often well-received. It is at times maligned. It's referred to casually as eternal security, the doctrine of eternal security, or more casually, once saved, always saved. Does your church believe that? Once saved, always saved? Because there certainly seem to be texts in Scripture that would challenge that. We think of a text like Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews 6, we read this. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. It is impossible for those who have had all the blessings of God and then have fallen away to restore them. What does this say about once saved, always saved. We think of a text like 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, we read there, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith among him, them who are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan. Those who knew the truth and yet made shipwreck of their faith and have been handed over to Satan. How can we take a text like that and also say there is perseverance of the saints? In our own text this morning, verse 6. We read there, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
How can we confess that there is perseverance of the saints when the Bible speaks of those falling away, those who've made shipwreck of their faith, those who are gathered like branches and burned? We're going to look at this beautiful uh, doctrine this morning of perseverance of the saints, not only to understand it, but to see the wonderful comfort that it is that for each and every one of God's own, they will persevere. God will not let them go, but he will stay with them all the way to the end, all the way to glorification. When we talk about perseverance, as I said, it's important for us to understand that properly. When we confess perseverance to the saints as a biblical doctrine, we are not saying It is perseverance of absolutely everyone who at any time has said, I love Jesus. Which is why I don't like the term eternal security. It's too too flippant, it's too casual. When we talk about perseverance of the saints, we are talking about perseverance of those who persevere. Now, that may sound somewhat circular, but what does the Scripture say about that? Earlier in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verse 31, we read this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide perseverance of those who persevere if you abide in my word we think of a text from the gospel of matthew matthew chapter 10 where jesus says there matthew 10 verse 22 and you will be hated by all for my name's sake but for the one who endures to the end they will be saved to the one who endures, to the one who perseveres, they will be saved. Perseverance of those who persevere. And again, from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The call to perseverance. The call to continue in the faith. Perseverance not of anyone who has at any time said, I love Jesus, but perseverance of those who persevere. Because the Bible tells us there will be those who who seem to enter the faith and yet who fall away. Jesus teaches that. Teaches that in Matthew 13 in the parable of the soils. Jesus teaching in Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21, we read there, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. It's not perseverance of anyone who has ever heard the gospel. 
It's not perseverance of anyone who has ever said, I believe the gospel. There are those, Jesus teaches, who will fall away. Probably the the clearest text on this is the Apostle John, 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, we read this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. What is he saying? Some left. Some left the church. And by doing so, they demonstrated that they never really belonged in the first place. If they had belonged, John says, they would have continued. They would have persevered. No, it is not perseverance of the confessors, those who confess Christ, perseverance of one-time believers, perseverance of church members. It is perseverance of the saints, of those who persevere, of those who have participated in the Ordo Salutis, who have heard the effectual call of the gospel, whose lives have been changed, regenerated, brought from death to life. Those who've been given the gift of faith and repentance and exercise those gifts. Those who have been declared righteous, justified by God Himself. Those who are adopted as His sons and daughters. Those who seek to live a sanctified life. That's our understanding. Not perseverance of everyone who says, I believe in Jesus. But perseverance of those who persevere. Perseverance of the saints. And why is it that that they persevere? It is because God is at work in them. And that's the wonderful comfort and assurance that we get from this doctrine of perseverance. We began this whole series by looking at Romans uh, 8, 28 and following, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. Those whom He justified, He also glorified. This beautiful chain of redemption. God calls, He justifies, and He glorifies. All the way to the end. God is at work, and He will continue His work. That's our hope, that's our assurance, that's our comfort. Not that we're such great people, but that God doesn't go halfway when it comes to salvation. God does everything necessary and continues with us throughout our lives that we might persevere all the way to glorification. We'll talk about that next week. The wonderful assurance. God doesn't do half a work. 
Jesus Christ didn't do half a work. We read in Romans 8.29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. We are to be conformed to Christ. And Christ didn't go halfway. Christ did not leave the glories of heaven, come down to earth, live among sinful mankind, and then say, you know, I don't think I want to complete this work of redemption. These people don't care about me. These people don't love me. No, he continued. He continued even when he was unjustly accused and condemned. He could have said, no, I'm not going to go forward. But Christ goes all the way to the cross. He is hanging there. He is crucified. He is laid in a grave. And God vindicates him by raising him from the dead on the third day. Christ didn't go halfway in securing our salvation. He did everything necessary. That's the wonderful hope and comfort and joy of the gospel. Christ does it all, everything we need. And when we are found in him, we know he will continue to work in us by the power of his spirit. That's the call of the gospel again today. Put your faith in that Jesus Christ, the one who didn't do half a work, the one who didn't go part way, but the one who did everything necessary. Put your faith in him and know the assurance of belonging to him forever. John says once again earlier in the gospel, in John chapter 6, John 6, verse 39, he says this, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. The Father had given a people to the Son, and the Son says, I will not lose one of them. Not one of whom the Father has given to me will not continue, will not persevere all the way to the end. I will raise him up on the last day and lose none of them that the Father has given. Again, from John chapter 10, John 10, verse 27, we read there, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. None of God's children will fail to reach the final glorification. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. I watch over my sheep and nothing, nothing can take them from my hand. Not the devil, not the world, not even my own sinfulness. But for those who belong to Christ, they will persevere all the way to the end. That's our glorious hope. That's our comfort. Not that we're so great, but that God is working in us and will not stop halfway. But he will continue to work in our hearts, in our lives, that we might persevere in the ways of righteousness. What does that perseverance look like? Some suggest that the doctrine of perseverance of the saints makes us casual about righteousness, makes us lazy toward God. After all, if he's working in us, if it's his work, 
then what difference does it make how I live? Rather than this glorious truth making us casual or making us lazy, it moves us to action. It moves us to living in a way that is pleasing to God. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. Abide. Continue. I am the vine. You are the branches. Continue to walk in me. What does that abiding look like? That abiding is giving ourselves to ongoing obedience to God. Verse 4 goes on. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Well, the first thing we see right away is this is all God's work. It is all God's work in us. It is not that the, the, the branch simply lives by itself. But as God works in us, that branch is called to bear fruit. That branch is called to be fruitful. Now, that fruit comes from the life of the vine, but it is the branch that bears the fruit. Perseverance of the saints calls us to action. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What is that abiding? What does that perseverance look like? It looks like keeping the law of God. This is how we demonstrate in our lives that God is at work in us. It's actions, it's choices that we make. Perseverance is not simply a warm feeling in my heart that I love Jesus. It expresses itself in how I live. It is hearing the law of God. It is keeping the law of God. Which is, again, kids, why this morning and every Sunday morning we read the law of God. We hear about uh, our sin and we're called to confess that sin. We hear of God's assurance we have been pardoned from our sin. And then we read the law. We say, how can I thank God for what he has done? And that law has to shape us, has to mold us. We have to conform ourselves more and more to God's holy law. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Fruit is the proof that God is at work in us. Fruit is the demonstration. God is persevering all the way to the end. And we are to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Again, who's in charge? It's God. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So your fruit should abide. 
You want to make a difference in the world. You want to be remembered for what you've done. We need not build great worldly empires. Simply showing our devotion to God by the way that we live. Showing our love for Him and seeking to be a blessing to those around us. A blessing in our families. A blessing in our education. A blessing in our workplace. This is fruit that abides. Fruit that witnesses to what God is doing. Fruit that witnesses to the glory of the gospel. That someone who is fallen and dead in sin was made alive by God and now can begin to live in a way that brings glory to Him. An ongoing life of discipleship. And, he says, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. An ongoing desire to do more and more, to evidence the work of God in us, to bear more fruit throughout our life, to, to persevere in the faith all the way throughout our life, to the end. Perseverance of the saints. It's a doctrine at times maligned. It's a doctrine often misunderstood. But for the believer, it is the greatest comfort. God is at work. Perseverance of those who persevere. God is at work. And he will not go halfway. And as he works in us, we, we bear that fruit for his glory. This call to us to, to persevere in the ways of the Lord, to abide in him, comes to all. It comes to you, children, to persevere in the ways of God. What does that look like? It looks like being obedient to your parents. It looks like being loving to your brothers and sisters. That's what it looks like. What does it look like for young people? Young people, you're faced with many difficult choices uh, at this time of life. It looks like, like following the law of God, making choices that please Him. What does that look like for, for young couples, for, for new parents, for families? It looks like conforming ourselves to God's plan for what a family looks like. For older couples, for aged saints, it looks like continuing to walk in the ways of the Lord. Perseverance of the saints. Abiding, abiding in God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. Like, like a branch in the vine. So we too are to abide. We are to persevere because God is at work within us, strengthening us, calling us. The work is His, but it works itself out in our lives. We give him all the praise and honor and glory. Let's join together in prayer. Oh, Lord our God, we are so thankful that you are not a halfway God.
You do not begin a good work and then stop, but you do carry it forward to full completion. Lord God, help us to evidence your work in our lives by our obedience to your holy law. Help us at whatever stage of life that you have called us to live in a way that is pleasing to you. Oh, we know, oh God, salvation belongs to you. Through Jesus Christ, we have everything necessary to be called your own. And in response to that glorious work, we live in a way that is pleasing to you. Oh, work in us more and more, O oh God, that we might abide in you. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen.